I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This podcast is generated by AI. The music and the texts contained is not thought up by any human. However, the company Carinia Noise generated the texts in this show in part with GPT-3, OpenAI's large-scale language generation model. Upon generating draft language, Carinia Noise reviewed, edited, and revised the language to their own liking and takes ultimate responsibility for the content of this podcast. This episode is called The Witch in the Wardrobe. My neighbor and I collect old glass bottles. We keep them in storage. On the side of the road. Where we have to walk. There are thousands of bottles. I counted them once. We keep collecting them. The sun is a hot light. On a cloudless day. When it hits the glass. It makes the colors shine. We collect green ones. The ones with the white. We also collect the ones with the red. People keep throwing them out of the car window. One day, we will find we have enough. We will buy a machine and check them for money. We will then make us a pretty penny.
I would like to make a million dollars. I would like to have a pretty partner. I would like to have a nice car. I would like to have a nice little house. I would like to have a family. I would like to have more. Than just a few. I would like to be rich. I would like to be free. I have been saving them. For a long time. I think I have enough. To start my own business. I would like to be a billionaire. I would like to be rich. I would like to be famous. I would like to be loved. I would like to be happy. I would like to be free. My name is Sally, and I'm a witch. I live in Salem, Massachusetts, with my daughter, Nikki, and my two cats, Penny and Kiki. I write a blog about the craft, and I'm starting a witchcraft school. When I'm not wearing black, I'm wearing red, and I love the color green, especially the color of the sea. I'm a seeker of knowledge, a lover of life, and a follower of the goddess. I'm not afraid of death because I know that death is just another part of life, and a chance to be born again. I'm a witch, and I won't apologize for being a witch. Now that you know a little bit about me, I invite you to join me in my journey. Many believe witches fly around on broomsticks. The first written mention of a witch flying on a broomstick can be found in the Malleus Malficarum, a Latin text published in 1487. It describes the witch's Sabbath and how witches are transported to the Sabbath by their masters. It states, the devil takes them, the witches, up in the night in the shape of a cloud of fire, or a vapor, or in some other way, on a fixed day or night, generally about Hallowmas, October 31st, or else the eve of St. John, June 24th, and on certain festivals of the year, to a place called the witch's Sabbath. Many believe that these witches were actually traveling to an island in the sky, also called Valpurgis Night, where the goddess Hecate was said to reside. Early modern sources record claims of flying witches in other European countries. In France, there was a case in the 1590s where several people were accused of night-faring or night-flying with the aid of a magic staff. In the 16th century, the French physician and writer Pierre de Lenker wrote, that a group of witches were sentenced to death for flying to the Sabbath on their brooms. In the Kingdom of East Prussia, in 1709, 
the German theologian Johann George Passavant claimed that a woman had been seen flying to the Brocken on a pitchfork with several other witches. I really don't do that kind of stuff, though. I like to watch the ground. And when it's time to land, I'm not afraid of anything. Traveling by horseback in Italy has its perks. I've always enjoyed the fact that I could stop whenever I wanted to and see something. Listen to a local band and take a picture of it. No cars, no highways, no traffic. In Italy, everyone seems to have a guitar in their hands. It might sound a bit cheesy, but I think that's just what makes Italy so beautiful. I've never heard a band play for money, but they would play if you offer them a glass of wine or a beer. You know you're traveling in Italy when 1. You go to the bathroom in the street. 2. You get lost in the train station on purpose. 3. You fall in love with a random town and end up staying for weeks. 4. You sing along to the songs you don't even know the lyrics to. 5. You try speaking the language, but you're not even close. 6. You can't find any place to eat in the middle of the night. 7. You are used to people staring at you when you're taking pictures. 8. You get excited when you see the hills of Tuscany from a distance. 9. You know the exact locations of all the espresso bars and gelaterias in your town. 10. You're always ready for an, quote, Italian adventure. 11. You can't imagine ever living in a city again. 12. You fall in love with a new town every time you travel. 13. You never know where you are going to sleep next. 14. You start speaking Italian and start believing you're Italian. 15. You learn the words to the Italian anthem by heart. 16. You fall in love with the Tuscan countryside. 17. You're trying to take a picture, but the wheels are always in the way. Eighteen. You get disappointed when you get back to your home country. Here's what you should do if you find your dog in a dilemma. 1. If you have time, wait. If your dog is seriously injured, he will not be able to move and it is likely that he will not move for a few hours. If he is just stuck, he will likely work himself out within 15 to 20 minutes. Either way, it is best to give your dog the benefit of the doubt and wait for him to move. 2. If the dog is obviously stuck, he is unable to move without help, and he is in danger, call the Humane Society. 3. 
If the dog is stuck and seems to be in distress, carefully approach the dog. Never approach a dog that is growling or in distress. If the dog is stuck, he will likely be very stressed out. If he is not in distress, he will be fine, but if he is in distress, he will certainly snap at you. If you are not certain, don't approach. 4. Try to figure out what is wrong. If the dog is stuck in a hole, you should try to get the dog to move before you pull. If the dog is stuck in a fence, you will need to get the dog to move before you can free him. If the dog is stuck under a car, you will need to get the dog to move before you can free him. 5. If the dog is stuck in a hole, try to get him to move. If he can't move, he will likely be able to move if you push on him. You should only push on him if you are certain that he is not stuck. I'm feeling down. If you're feeling down, just remember that thousands of people would be happy to sleep with your wife. True, true. You know, it's at times like this when I realize that I've been in the wrong line of work. What do you mean? I could have been a pirate. Really? Yes. I could have looked for buried treasure and slept with beautiful women. But no, I had to go and get a proper job. And now look at me. What do you mean? I'm a secretary. A secretary? Yes. I'm the person who sits behind the boss and makes sure that he never has to worry about anything. And do you do that well? Of course I do. When he asks me to do something, I get it done. So you don't mind that you have to work behind him? Not at all. Because I can see the back of his head. And I can work out what he's thinking. And I know that I can do a better job than him. Well, most of the time anyway. And it's nice to have a boss who never worries about anything. Because he thinks that I'll take care of it. So you're happy? I'm happier than I've ever been. That's good. Yes, it is. But I still think that I could have been a pirate. I'm sure you'd have been great at it. Yes. Yes. I think you might be right. Well, I'd better be going. I've got a lot of work to do. Have a good day. And, and you. you. My next novel will be about porcupines and their families. And it will be called How Much Is a Porcupine Worth? I might write it in rhyme. Porcupines are pretty smart. The porcupine we saw in the zoo was pretty smart. It knew how to get what it wanted or needed, and it did it without hurting anyone. For instance, it could have pulled the power cords out of the wall and turned the lights off and on if it wanted to. Or it could have pulled the wires out of the TV and turned the TV off and on, but it didn't. 
It just wanted to climb on the TV and watch TV. It didn't even have to climb on the TV. It could have just laid in the middle of the floor and watched TV, but it didn't. It climbed on the TV and watched it. And it didn't even touch the TV, or the wires, or the power cord. It just sat on them. You might think that the porcupine could have just walked up and picked the wires off the wall and unplugged the TV. But it didn't. It just sat on them and watched TV. And it didn't even mess up the wires. It just sat on them so that they were bent a little. You might think that the porcupine could have just reached out and turned the TV on and off, but it didn't. It just sat on the TV to get its fix of TV. And it didn't turn the TV on and off. It just sat on the TV. It could have turned the TV off and on, but it didn't. It just sat on the TV. It could have just pulled the TV off the wall and turned it on and off, but it didn't. It just sat on it. You might think that the porcupine could have just pushed the TV off the wall and turned it on and off, but it didn't. It just sat on it. It could have just pulled the TV off the wall and thrown it on the floor and climbed on it, but it didn't. It just sat on the TV. It could have just pushed the TV off the wall and thrown it on the floor and turned it on and off, but it didn't. It just sat on it. You might think that the porcupine could have just pulled the TV off the wall and thrown it on the floor and turned it on and off, but it didn't. It just sat on it. It could have just pushed the TV off the wall and thrown it on the floor and pushed it around, but it didn't. It just sat on it and watched TV. And it didn't even mess up the TV. It just sat on it. You might think that the porcupine could have just pulled the TV off the wall and thrown it on the floor and pushed it around, but it didn't. It just sat on it and watched TV. And it didn't even mess up the TV. It just sat on it. Maybe the porcupine could have just pulled the TV off. I'm gonna read an excerpt from the show Awful Truth on CBS. Scene 1, Scratchy's Living Room. Scratchy, hey, does anyone have a net? Announcer, he's got a net, he's got a net. It's my kind of flow right here. Scratchy, hey, does anyone have a broom? Announcer, he's got a broom, he's got a broom. It's my kind of flow right here. Scratchy, hey, does anyone have a mop? Announcer, he's got a mop, he's got a mop. It's my kind of flow right here. Announcer, he's got a mop, he's got a mop. Scratchy, hey, does anyone have a mop? Announcer, he's got a mop, he's got a mop. Scratchy, hey, does anyone have a mop? Announcer, he's got a mop, he's got a mop.
I'm always jealous of the fact that some of these guys can be more free with their personal lives than the rest of us. I mean, I don't think they're going to say that they're jealous of me because I'm an actor. But I'm jealous of them because of the fact that they can do whatever they want. They can go to the club. They can do whatever they want. I have to be a little more careful about it. My ex-girlfriend, who is a little more famous than me, and I, used to argue about it and fight about it, and I would say, you can't walk down the street. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't talk to that person. And she would say, why? If I want to talk to somebody, I want to talk to somebody. I was like, but you can't do it. And she would say, why not? And I would say, well, because you're famous. You're not supposed to act like that. And she would say, well, what am I supposed to do? And I would say, well, you're not supposed to talk like that. You're not supposed to act like that. And she would say, well, I'm just a person. And I would say, well, people don't know that. I mean, my girlfriend is an actress, and she gets hit on all the time by guys. And I'm like, but you're famous. You can't date them. And she's like, well, why can't I date them? Because you're famous, and they think they have a chance with you. And she's like, so what? They think they have a chance with me. So what? And I'm like, but you're famous. You're not supposed to act like that. And she's like, why not? I think it's so cool that she's in a position where guys can hit on her, but she doesn't have to do anything about it. I think it is a beautiful thing that you can be famous and be able to date people. But I think it's also a beautiful thing that people can see you in a position where you're in a relationship, and people don't have to know about it. At the end of the day, I just want to try to live my life. I don't want to be famous, and I don't want to be an actor, and I don't want to be in a relationship with somebody who's famous. I just want to be a guy who tries to live his life and be happy. And the older you get, the more of a media figure you are. There is something about being famous that, you know, it's easier to be a public figure when you're younger. When you're younger, you're more open. When you're older, you're more jaded. And this is what I'm talking about with your girlfriend. She's not jaded. She's like, I don't want to have to deal with the paparazzi. I don't want to have to deal with all this stuff. I want to be able to do what I want to do. I want to be able to go to the club and talk to whoever I want to talk to. And I think that's a great thing about being an actress. And I think it's a great thing about being a younger person. But you're getting older, and you've had your heart broken by people in the past. And so now that you're older, you're jaded. You're not going to be able to just go out and do whatever you want to do. So I say, enjoy that. Enjoy that you can go to the club with your girl and you can be like, hi everybody. We're here, we're here and we're going to go dancing and we're going to have a great time. And there are no paparazzi. Here, have a picture. And it's like, okay, thanks. If you were still dating that girl, you would have a great time but then you would go to a club and you would have to worry about paparazzi and people taking pictures and people wanting autographs. So you have to say, okay, I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that.
And so now you're going to be a lot happier. You're going to be a lot happier when you go out and you don't have to worry about what other people are going to think about you. Bittersweet memories of being drunk as a skunk and street racing with the boys in the middle of the night. And then waking up the next morning to find your buddy's car wrapped around a tree. Hitting the nail right on the head with the perfect gift for your best friend. This one time, I was driving my friend's car and we were really drunk, and I didn't realize that his car was in reverse. And I almost backed into a telephone pole. You know, the usual stuff. Boys and their toys. For me, the best part about hockey is the cars. The cars and the hockey are interchangeable in my mind. An important part of any hockey player's life is the car they drive. It's a good rule of thumb to approach every situation with the question, what kind of car would a hockey player drive? Is your friend having a rough day? Are they having trouble with their significant other? Are they having a rough week? Are they having a rough life? What kind of car would a hockey player drive in that situation? What kind of car would a hockey player drive when they're feeling down? Are they a Ferrari? A Lamborghini? A Corvette? A Porsche? A Maserati? I entered the room, and suddenly, there was a sharp flash of pain, as if a nail had been driven through my forehead, and I was knocked down. I tried to get up and couldn't. I went to the back of the room and was sick, and then went to the next room. I sat in a chair. I was still conscious, but I couldn't think. I sat in that chair for two hours. They called the doctor, who came and said that I had a concussion. This is the story of the first known case of what became known as the Dutch disease. The symptoms of this disease have been recognized all over the world, but it is only named after the place where it was first identified. The facts are these, a boy fell down at school, suffered a concussion, and didn't regain his senses for two hours. His parents were expecting him to be unconscious for a while, but when he came to, he was perfectly normal. The boy himself, though, had no idea about what had happened. His name was Arnold Skonberg. He was the son of Austrian Jewish immigrants, and he grew up in Vienna, where he studied music at the Vienna Conservatory, and then later, at the University of Vienna. After he graduated, he moved to Berlin, where he worked as a musician and as a conductor for several years. But in 1933, he was forced to leave Berlin due to antisemitism, and he moved to Paris, and then later to Amsterdam. In Amsterdam, he began to develop his musical ideas, and developed an obsession with the use of the 12-tone system, and the experimental use of atonal music. He spent the next 15 years in Amsterdam, developing his musical ideas, writing music, and conducting. The Dutch disease, the symptoms of which had been recognized for centuries, but which had never been identified, was named after this man. In the late 1960s, he moved to the United States, 
and spent the rest of his life there. He died in 1951. The Dutch disease is caused by a parasite, which is transmitted by a rat. The symptoms are clear. A person will fall down in pain for a few seconds, and then will be knocked unconscious for a few minutes. However, the victim is aware of everything that is going on, and will be unable to move or to speak for a short time. If the victim is conscious, he or she will have no memory of what happened. In the case of Arnold Skonberg, the symptoms were so severe that he was knocked out for two hours. A rat-borne parasite has not been recorded in the Netherlands since the 1950s, but there is anecdotal evidence that somewhere in the world, the disease is still affecting people, and is still killing people. The Dutch disease has been identified in the United States, and in the United Kingdom. It has been suggested that the Dutch disease is a symptom of a greater disease, which is the loss of the ability to think. The symptoms are the same, a sharp pain for a few seconds, followed by a period of unconsciousness. The origin of the disease is unknown. The treatment is controversial. In the United Kingdom and in the United States, the disease is being treated with a new drug, which is called glugluagra. The drug is a cure-all. It is an antibiotic, an antitoxin, and a drug that will stimulate the immune system and poison the body. So far, the drug seems to be working, and it has been given to more than a billion people. The drug has been very effective, and almost everyone who has taken it has recovered. There was a side effect, however. It seems that the drug makes people more susceptible to the Dutch disease. But there is no other choice. The disease is incurable. There is no known cure. And it's killing us all. The End This is a list of questions I have about life. 1. Is there a theory about the universe that explains everything? 2. If so, is the scientist who discovered it going to be as famous as Einstein? 3. If not, is it okay if I become famous instead? 4. How many stars are there in the universe? 5. How old is the universe? 6. Where is the universe? 7. Is the universe infinite? 8. Do black holes suck? 9. If so, do we have one in our backyard? 10. Does the moon make the tides? 11. If so, why don't the tides get bigger when the moon is closer to the earth? 12. What is the wind? 13.
Can you feel it? 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 Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.